0: Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Um, Pray now that your word, uh, which endures forever, would now um, stand, awaken our ears, and draw us to you. Uh, Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Great to be here this morning. Um, Privileged to be here for Doug Webster, uh, who uh, is in the middle of this class, Election Year Theology. Great, great title. Doug is in San Diego this morning with Virginia preaching in a memorial service of one of his good friends that he they've known for, for decades. We can say a prayer for for Doug. It's a hard it's a hard straw to draw, if you can imagine preaching in a at a at a service at a preaching period, but then preaching at a funeral then preaching at a funeral or memorial service of a close friend. Um there's just a lot that's drawn into that. So praying for Doug this morning. Uh Election Year Theology, he's working through the text, we are working through the text of 1 Peter. Uh, uh, Peter wrote two epistles. Um, uh, Peter had a really strong word for the strangers in the strange land, those who would see themselves as sojourners, actually, um, to to those who were in exile, whose world uh, had changed and who had been thrust into a foreign land. Uh, not of their own choosing. Um, and then he draws out the spiritual word that, um, as a lot of the old Gospels would really highlight this, the the music that came out of the slave movement, for instance, would love to sing. And I get moved by it when I hear these these old spiritual, these hymns, these, this world is not my home, Lord, I'm just passing through, those kinds of things, that our citizenship is not here, uh, but in heaven. This is all very, what you would say, this is Peter. This is very stro- close to Peter. Uh, and with this idea of election year, here we are in the middle, of course, of all of, uh, of what's going on in our, in our country and world. And as Doug said, and I'll repeat it, this is not a class on politics, per se. Um, I don't think I'll refer back to this unless something happens on the fly, uh, which is always possible, of course. Um, not a class on politics, but I think we are being drawn into, a lot of us, uh, some confusion, some sense of what am I to make of this? I mean, it just feels tense. Where we're drawn, um, there's this, there's that. Neither of those feel satisfying at best. Both of them, or one or the other, feel uh, you know grossly dissatisfying. Um, to some sense of all that dissatisfaction, that displacement, that dis-ease, that sense of uh, is this my world? Is this where I am? I feel like a stranger in my own house. I feel like a stranger in my own land. Uh, this sense of exile. Now, to draw it all the way out, that's a really strong spiritual theme of not becoming too comfortable and conformed, it's going to be a Peter word, to what's going on around us. And so I'm just trying to pull that up, and that's going to be the word that I think Doug is going to draw on um, week to week, as he picks this back up for next week and the four weeks after. Uh Just how do we live in tension, where things aren't quite... There's a lot of black and white. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, There's not much ambiguity there. But now, as we live in the last days, uh, the day that happened once Easter morning, from that point until when Christ comes back, these are called the last days. And so far, it's been 2,000 years of last days. Um, All that is, is one period. Um, as, as the scripture would speak of the last days, and this is going to be language we hear in a minute. Uh, that's tension. How do we make sense of that? So that's just kind of the intro. i let you all get used to my voice a little bit. Um, any questions or comments, even tying into where we were last week, if you have that? And we're just going to dive into the text today, I think. I'm just going to kind of circle it around. There's some, some great stuff that's here. Um, so on the left-hand column, I've got that too. Uh, need First Peter one thirteen through two three, um, let's read that and then I'll go back through and and uh, from my notes with the ESV, we'll compare it to the NIV, and then we'll be uh, R E S P E C T and see what we can do. So First <laughs> so Peter one, um, therefore, so immediately we'll talk about that. But therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all that you do for it is written be holy because i am holy since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life Handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He, Christ, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply. From the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is great stuff. I mean, this is a really good text. And so, will next week be? It's you, We're in a good good, good book here. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, but just go back and let's pick it through a little bit. Just kind of hear Peter. Um, I'm going to refer back to this. Peter. We know him. You know, let's not forget Peter, and especially in the Gospel of Mark. Of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark was a very close associate with Peter. They traveled together. They, they, they had their journeys together. So they spent a long time together. So Peter, Mark in some ways is Peter's Gospel. But from all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We know so much about Peter, Peter, the one who was one of the three um, who was always taken away, Peter, James and John, up to the Mount of Transfiguration or over to the Garden of Gethsemane, who ran to the empty tomb with John. And Peter started first, but John, being younger, made it in front of him. But Peter's the one who came in and went into the tomb first and saw that the Lord uh, was not there and saw the napkin folded very neatly right there at the, at the lord's tomb we know peter peter the one who said lord i will never forget you um, i will never deny you uh peter unless i wash your hands um unless i wash you on no part of me well then wash everything you know uh and then a few hours later i tell you the truth i don't know the man and then jesus looked straight at him those piercing eyes as it says in luke i think it's luke and as soon as Peter denied the Lord the third time, the cock crowed, the rooster crowed, and Peter went away sorrowful. And he sulks to the upper room where the others sort of found Peter. That's where they all went. Peter, the same one who on the shores after the Lord had risen, uh, and he's working. What did he do? What would any of us do? When you're in that kind of grief, all that confusion, all that tension, we go back to the things that we know. What, am I, what do I know? What can I do? And Peter was a fisherman, so we went back to fishing let me just do something to kind of get away from all of this and let my mind just sort of go back um the fear that okay they're going to come for us now uh they 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 killed jesus the the movement is being quashed uh surely they're going to come for me the leader of it um so he lived in this kind of fear and he's out there fishing and he spies a fire at dawn on the shore and he realizes it is the Lord, this great great passage from from john twenty one and then strangely, Peter so impetuous, same one who drew a sword and cut off malchus's ear. now he puts on his clothes and then he jumps in the water and <laughs> he swims to the shore to find the Lord cooking fish, um, hundred and fifty three of them later it says that kind of exact number, one hundred fifty three fish uh and he goes through the remaking of Peter, where Jesus, after all this, and says, and "I start crying sometimes when I, when I when I recall these words." Peter, do you love me? And Peter, of course, just breaks down. The unmaking and remaking of Peter. Lord, you know that I do. But remember, He just denied Him to death. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know that I do. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. Well, then feed my sheep. And the restoration of Peter who now, from the impetuousness, almost the, the passionate Peter, we're going to see that word, uh, the, the flying from one end to the other, uh, then he picked up a pen and he wrote, or probably more precisely, he, uh, he began to preach and people began to be converted by his word and a scribe who could write picked up a pen, picked up the plume and started to write for peter as peter dictated the scripture when he was intending to do he was just writing letters to friends and saying you know this is what happened let's write this down so this could go forward i say all that because let's remember peter next week we're going to hear about the great passage probably the one that most of us think of when we think of first peter so you like living stones are being built into a spiritual house for you are now therefore a royal nation a holy a, 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 a holy nation a royal priesthood You once were not, but now you are. You once were not loved, but now you... This is Peter, who knew what it was like to not be. Basically be not. I denied him. You know, and he was unmade. And now he hangs on to those words. Remember what his nickname was? You who once were Simon are now called Peter, Petros, Stone. So he loved his name, because the Lord gave him his name. So of course it's Peter who said, What is the church like? It's like a bunch of stones. It's like a bunch of me. The Lord said, upon this rock, upon this pebble, upon this stone, I'm going to build my church. And that's Peter. We just remember, what's the point of all that? This is real. You know, it's a real person who lived life in tension with all sorts of uh, of, uh, of passions, of temperaments, personality quirks, of, uh, of flying off the handle, you know, He was ready, fire, aim, Uh, you know, sort of, you know, ready, ready, aim, fire, ready, (laughs) I'm out, somebody talk me home, you know, how do I get there, you know, yeah, let's run, where are we going? Um, That's Peter. Uh, He's a real person, and this is a real letter written to us. So therefore, everything that we talked about last week comes into this, and he brings this in with the sense of the mind, the sense of uh, that part which... uh, uh, is the interactive space with the passions, with desires, with longings, with emotions, with the interactive space with the brain. You know, the mind's not quite the brain. It's not quite the place where you think. The mind is that space in between um, the heart and the brain. Um, and therefore, with that, this is like Romans 12, to um, be uh, renewed uh or be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Um, Peter's in that same place. With minds that are what? Alert and fully sober. Sober. sober Sober-minded, as the ESV would say. Uh, Having prepared your minds for action, being sober-minded. Sober-minded. Being able to see things as they actually are. Seeing things clearly. It is never to be assumed that we actually know what life is really like, how things actually are. Uh, someone no less. I love this quote, and I love giving it to her. Anise Nin, I don't know if anybody knows her that well. Um, I think she's a romantic poet, uh, uh, no friend of Christianity or religion, generally one of the first great sort of atheist writers and all that stuff. but, but she um, she once said, "None of us see things as they actually are. We see things the way we want to see them. So call that whatever you want. denial, minimization, rationalization, a generalization. Uh, that is it's the equivalent of being drunk. When you're drunk, you don't have good judgment. You don't know the way things actually are. I can drive, or yeah, that's good, two beers. There's always two beers. Um, uh, you don't see things the way they actually are. We see things the way we want to see them. We even got beer goggles, and you know, college is the great example of not seeing things the way they actually are. Overly idealistic, I'm going to live forever, etc., 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 Peter, the unmade and remade man, says, Now, therefore, we who know, who've been given to know on the rack of life through the grace of God, uh, risen uh, with Him, therefore, preparing our minds for action, being sober-minded, and now the imperatives come. The imperatives, the words that describe our remaking, the words that now will tell us Uh, as we'll look in a little bit at the the great glory of the creative word of God, which when it speaks, it brings into being the very thing which is spoken. And so now the words begin to be spoken about once we're remade, what happens? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. So here it is, we're in passive, it's being brought, we're being we're here and it's being delivered to us. We hear that sort of atonement language, delivery, just like Amazon brings you something we are being delivered uh, uh, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong, wrong text. Um, uh, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now we're in this tension. We're in between uh, the law and the prophets pointed towards the coming of Christ, and then he came, born of a woman, born of a man, born under the law, uh, was crucified, died, and was buried on the third day, rose again, and now is ascended to the right hand of the Father, and we are in the last days. But He is coming again. I remember when I was probably 18, 17, I remember I was in my little church in Texas, St. John's Sealy. Like 40 people at Easter, probably two-thirds of whom I was blood-related. I mean, just tiny little church. Um, but went most days just because my grandparents were there, and they would take me out to, to eat afterwards. Um, and that was a big deal because I was a bean, and that was about, you know, we probably ate out five times a month, four of which were Sunday afternoons. So we didn't ha- we didn't do that much, you know. A lot of y'all were like that. We just, People didn't eat out the way we do now. Um, so I remember sitting there even after being in church and couldn't ask anybody any questions. We didn't have a youth ministry or anything like that. Didn't have that kind of instruction. So it was just kind of through osmosis. And I remember reading the creed or hearing it uh, or that part um, in the Eucharistic prayer which says Christ, is dried, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And I remember I went, <laughs> nobody ever told me that. Christ will come again. What? The whole coming again part blew my mind. had no idea that was in there. It's was like, What is that all about? Well, that kind of set me on a path to figure out, what does this mean? I just thought Christ had come, Christ had died, I got that, and now it was kind of up to us. Christ will come again. There's something else to the story that has not yet been told. And that's what Peter's really into, this part about when Christ will again be revealed. Because when he comes again, Mark Every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will be no ambiguity. That's one of the clear black and white parts. Uh, all things and all manner of things will be known, sobriety, exactly as they are. There will not be confusion. Well, that looks like he could be a Lord to some people, but uh, you know there won't be any of that. So he's just bringing that through, um, this clarity, this sober-mindedness that will be brought to you at the coming of Christ. But what about now? As obedient children, let me come back. Yep. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Peter has a reference point. The time before his remaking, when he would say, I lived in, a, in, a, uh, in an ignorant time. Not completely uh, awash, uh, but he didn't know in the way that he now does. Do not conform to the evil desires. Evil desires. Peter's desires um, to uh, uh, say at the Last Supper, where he says, No, Lord, you, the Lord, you don't want to wash me. I'm your servant. You're not mine. The Lord would say, That's an evil desire, Peter. Even as we would say, That's not evil. I mean, Peter is just being reverential, and he's being deferential. He's just being, you know, he knew that Jesus was somebody that he wasn't, right? He said, nope, nope. Anything that proceeds from the heart, the human heart, the unmade heart, the heart of stone that separates you from the living grace of God in Jesus Christ, who came to die as a ransom for many. Peter's going to pick that up. That is evil if it separates you from Christ's grace, from the Lord's grace. It is an evil desire, even a longing to be perfectly reverent, if it's about you and it's not about him. So it comes through. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. I have to speed up here. Um, Holy, that's temple language. What is holy? This is coming out of Leviticus, as, as Doug said. Um, the Levitical Code, even if you never read it, you probably know that it's just full of all sorts of, of do this, don't do that, as a way to what? To separate the people Israel or the instruments to be used like this to, to declare God's uniqueness. To be set apart is all it means to be holy. So you would take a bowl... Ordinary piece. Everybody would have a bowl even back then in their kitchen and all that. But if you took one and you made it holy, you set it apart for a unique purpose. Now it's the bowl that will hold the blood of the sacrificial lamb. Well, now it's got a different purpose. It's holy. Not necessarily qualitatively different. I mean, quantitatively different. It's still a bowl, but qualitatively, it's now got a set aside purpose. And Peter and some others pull this over to say, and you also are holy. A holy people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, set apart for a unique word uh, and a unique work. And he just wants to really emphasize that. Since you call upon a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, strangers in a strange land. Live out your time as foreigners, as people that don't belong. So now he's tying that up with this idea of being holy. Just as that bowl doesn't really belong in the kitchen anymore because it's been set apart for a different use. So you also, who are holy, set apart for a different use, but who still live in the kitchen, so to speak. We're still here, uh, but we're now different. You know, random, but I think of Stripes. Anybody else watch that? It's one of my favorite shows. Showed my inappropriate cable consumption (laughs) in the 80s. Um, Bill Murray's great line, Look, we're mutants, we're misfits. See, his nose is cold. We don't belong in the army, is what Bill Murray was saying. Nobody, Libby laughed. She's the only one who laughs. (laughs) Um, We don't belong, is what he's trying to say. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down from your ancestors. And I have to think that, again, Peter, living, sleeping, uh, walking, just going through life with the Lord for those three or so years that he did. He hung on to those words. And this is one of the great lines from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, Peter's Gospel, where he says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Those words must have just sunk into Peter. All the way through, the whole nine yards were given to him, especially at the Last Supper when he realized that it was the Lord who had to gird himself with a towel and serve Peter. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. The same word that's here called redeemed also means ransomed. Um, And Peter took that to the bank. He said, how do I make sense of what's happened to me? After seeing the Lord on the shore cooking the great catch of fish, 153, and ate it for breakfast, the resurrected Lord eating, and then he remakes Peter. I think he then looked back into his history, as you and I would do, and say, like, I remember when he said, your name is no longer, but now is. I remember now when he said then, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom, to be redeemed, to be so that you would be set apart as something no longer perishable, common, ordinary, but royal, holy, different, extraordinary. And he pulls all that up. So let's go with this. And then he gives a great, what you'd call, Christological passage where he talks about... Um, uh, what all this means the atonement this this place in the temple um, like the uh, Christ being the Agnus Dei the Lamb of God with the precious blood of Christ the Lamb without blemish or defect chosen before the creation of the world revealed in these last times you can hear all that for his sake um, but going down I want to get to, uh, to verse 24 and we'll look at we'll look at some Johannes Brahms just to play highbrow for a few minutes um, uh, but now that you have purified yourselves this is all think Okay, so the Word of God, um, that's where he's coming to. It's going to be the great glory of the Word as a way to speak into the tension of what we would call the already. The Lord has died and has risen and has already told us that all will be well and all things will be made well and it is finished and your life is hidden with me in God. All that is the already. But then we have the not yet. The sense, But it's not yet happened because we're still dying. We're still getting sick. We still long for someone to tell me my name, for someone to notice, for someone to relieve me of this anxiety or this fear or whatever it is. So the already intention with the not yet. It's one of the great phrases that we can always kind of hold on to. And he's pulling that in. Now that you've been purified, now you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply, from the heart, for you have been born again. Not through perishable seed, but of imperishable. And then how? How does this happen? He remembers Nicodemus, John 3, member of the Sanhedrin, who came to Jesus at night. He said, Lord, how is one to be born again? Do I climb back into my mother's womb? I'm a grown man. How can I be born again? What do you, am I literal here? Um, he says, No. Uh, to be born again is a work of the spirit through the word of god and so now to, to throw a little greek and just kind of be weird through the living and enduring word of god the logos of god of theos the logos theos the same one that john would pick up that in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God and the word was God. So I think we can handle. It. So this, this word that's out here, because it's come into a word of gospel, that's where we're headed. And then we're going to look at this. This word of God, which pre-existed even before Adam and Eve, before the world was made, there was something called the logos of God. And it was in God. It was so much a part of, of God that it was in the second person of god who we know is jesus christ for the word was made flesh and dwelled among us and so god in his very godness wants to speak that's the word this organizing vivifying uh, which means to bring life this word which creates this creative word this logos of god which is just aching to be spoken but the greek has this great phrase that once it's uttered It moves from being the Logos of God to the Rhema, the Rhema of Christ. And it moves here. And if we read Greek, we'd see this, where he moves from uh, the enduring word of God, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like flowers of the field. This is from um, Isaiah 40. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word was preached. This is the word that was preached to you. Now that it's spoken, now that the Logos of God, which is a creative word, it kills the old Adam and it brings to life the new. It's the one that undid Adam and it preexisted. But then when it was spoken in the words of Christ on Christ's lips and it fell on Peter's ear and it said, you are my beloved. Peter, you are mine. Peter, do you love me? well, now go feed my sheep. That word becomes the Rama of Christ because it's spoken. We call that the Gospel, where it says preached. The word preached here means gospel. You angelion, you Eu, just like euphoric or you, euf- you know, just means the prefix good. We hear the word angel in there, angelion, angel, uh, uh, a good message, good news. That's what the word means. Real simple word. And this word, which is good, not evil, and it's new, not old, has now been uttered and heard. For this is the word that goes forth, um, as Paul would say, uh, that faith comes by hearing the rhema, the word. There's something that happens when the very material part falls on our ear. So the the word that Andrew preached, I thought it was an extraordinary sermon this morning. The rhema of Christ. that we who once were not now are. So let's look at this. This is Johannes Brahms, the German Requiem. About five minutes. He's going to, when I read this part, I was like, oh, this would be a fun way. I've heard somebody do this a few years ago. Um, uh, A Requiem. What's a Requiem? It's a Latin word for a, uh, 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 it doesn't have an equivalent, like a, a mass for the dead. And in the old, the pre-reformed church, the Mass for the dead, would be prayers for the dead. Have eternal mercy upon the departed, O Lord. You'd pray for the dead. Um, in other words, have mercy on them, bring them out of purgatory, take them into heaven, don't let them burn in hell, You know, bring them forward. Reformation said, enough of that. That's not quite where we put our eggs, that uh, we would rather go back to the sources and hear the word of the Scripture and say that in a twinkling uh, of an eye or as a gong of a symbol as soon as life passes the lord will be known uh, that that there's no there's no need to pray for the dead that we pray for the living but don't pray for me after i die this is one of the first times where that has been turned over and it's no longer a requiem in prayers for the dead but now prayers for the living and uh and it starts rather than saying have eternal mercy on uh, on the departed it starts by saying blessed are those who mourn in other words it's a requiem it's a mass it's a uh it's a service for those who hurt who are still left here and the not yet because those who have died they are fully in the already i am fine and dandy thank you very much um but this is for those of us who are left behind and he moves into this i can't remember now i'm, I'm not a classical music guy um to so the second movement and it's in oh i've got the the words if you want them because it's in german but we're going to have to get over that. Um, it's called a German Requiem. Uh, but it's not many um, words where it goes around. i will take that and pass it around. Yeah. Um, this is all just the words, um, For all flesh is grass, and the glory of man like flowers. The grass withers and the flowers fall. In other words, everything here is perishable. In the already, it's withering and it's dying. There is no hope without Christ. Anything that separates you... From the living grace of God in Christ is an evil desire. And he hits that with that sort of German march. You can hear this beat. It's going to go like that. The flesh is grass. The glory of man like flowers. They look pretty, but don't be deceived. They're going to brown and, 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 and wither and die. And then a huge crescendo. You can look for it. It's with chorus. It's with orchestra. Big, 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 big sound. He wants to blow it out. He's going to come in there, but the word of the Lord endures for eternity. The rhema kurios endures for all time. It is outside of space and time. And so we'll end on this. This is kind of a good way to have this sort of hammered home. Because I mentioned stripes, and now I'm trying to counteract you know, all that. So, um, it be about four minutes. Just feels German, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll talk a little bit before they start singing. I mean, even the piece, as I've just listened to it a few times, it's intentionally trying to build in tension between sort of the, the Peter's themes of of uh, of. Uh, Of this world is not my home of passing through the whole piece tries to pull that tension i hurt i mourn and yet i have hope and it's trying to go back and forth so you hear now the major notes and they kind of lilt oh there is hope and yet there's still the bong bong you hear the funeral march you can almost hear him walking with the casket Flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is like flowers. The grass withers. flowers fall. building the tension, just repeating the first verse, for all the flesh is like grass and the glory of man like flowers. up to the but the word of the Lord endures for eternity then it just goes on and starts tripping over itself with just hope and hope and hope and hope and hope you know quoting isaiah again and again and again uh the redeemed of the lord will come again and we come in design with a shout and it's a great great and marvelous text so with all that i think we're done let me pray Gracious father uh, with your preached word uh, let that word dwell in us richly fall in our ear change our hearts uh, so that we may uh, have that word brought to us um, and have now uh, the desires of our hearts be like uh, children that crave pure spiritual milk, the milk of your word uh, to, uh, to, to grow down and to be dependent upon you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.